look at it in the right way. And God's allowed me to continue this series. And so if you haven't been here with us, uh, the first part of the series I talked about uh, just the disappointment of destiny and how that can put a weight and a pressure on us. But, but God desires to still uh, to, to use us and to give us the resources necessary to walk in our destiny. And a couple weeks after that, I, I talked about the disappointment of something lost and just how at times we think that we may lose things, and, and especially when it comes to our, our, our destiny and maybe some of the choices that we make, but that God's promises to us are always true. Uh, I took a break from it, uh, speaking on Mother's Day. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I almost spoke on the disappointment of having children, <laughs> and, uh, but decided against it. And uh, so I'm picking it back up. This is week three of the series, and uh, we're just going to be talking about the disappointment of, uh, of, and frustrations that people can bring at times into our lives, but yet yeah, God wants to still use it for good. So let's take a look at uh, Genesis 37, starting with verse 17. Uh, we're going to read to 28. They have moved on from here, the man answered. And he, he said, I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. This is Joseph, our character that we're looking at, asking where his brothers were. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe and the ornate robe he was wearing. And they took him and threw him into the cistern, and the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood, and his brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. That's a rough day. That's a pretty uh, frustrating betrayal by people that were supposed to walk with you and be with you and have your back. Isn't that the whole point of family? But I think that God wants to talk to us today about turning our frustrations with people even now in the things that, he meant that he's going to turn and use for good. Let's pray one more time and then we'll get into it. God, I just pray that you would just take these words and take these next couple of moments. And I just ask, God, that you would use them for your glory. I pray that you would teach. God, I pray that as today we go and just, um, as this message is more practically uh, based, I just pray that you would just continue. Uh, God, to use it, I pray you would help me speak with clarity, Father. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just open up the hearts of the people to receive. And I just thank you for all of it. In your name, amen. Have you ever had one of those moments where you're having a good and relaxing time and someone or a group of people come in and they make it their mission to try to ruin it? I mean, you're minding your own business. Uh, you, all you want to do is just stay either by yourself or maybe just the group of friends you came with and uh, you don't want to bother anybody. You're just there to have a good time, to rest and relax and everything else. And then there's always that one person who, may, who takes it upon themselves to say, you know what, I'm going to ruin their day. I'm going to do something to mess up their good time. Maybe you're thinking about those uh, people right now or maybe you're thinking about that situation right now that you're like, Man, this would have been an incredible event. This would have been an incredible day. This would have been so much fun if it wasn't for. Let me tell you my experience that just happened yesterday. It's funny you should ask. I went to a local Japanese restaurant uh, with my family. And all we wanted to do was meet Kim, and I've got two kids, Madison and Davis. And all I wanted to do was to go get some hibachi and let my kids have some sushi. I don't eat sushi. They do. They love it. And so let me just give you the setup just so that you get this because there was one person determined to ruin my day. It was, it was a rectangular setup, and you had one table, one group of table and one hibachi right here. And when we walked up, there was a group of about 10, 20 to 25-year-old students uh, or, or, or young adults that were sitting right there, and they were wrapping up their meal. 
having a good time, everything else. So that's them over here. We get sat right here so I can see them, even though the guy cooking the food, his back is to me. And when my guy comes to cook my food, his back will be to them. I can see them, and I'm sitting, it's me, Kim, and Madison, and Davis. So I'm sitting there, and I'm excited. We've ordered our sushi, and, well, their sushi, hi. And uh, we've ordered my hibachi and everything else. And, and, uh, and, and the guy comes, and, you know, he's, he's, he's ready to cook and everything else. And I notice that even though this, this group is done, and they're, they're wrapping up, as soon as the guy starts cooking, all of a sudden, Kim looks at me, and she goes, Drew, that guy's recording us. What? And I look up, and sure enough, a guy from this group has his camera up recording us. And it looked like he was, and I don't think he was recording us. I think he was recording. I guess he had such a great experience. Maybe it was his first time ever having uh, a, a Japanese steakhouse-type food at, at a hibachi. I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't know him at all. But he was, I think what he was really doing was trying to record the guy cooking, even though the guy's back was turned to him, but because the way he had his camera up, he was recording me and Kim and the kids. It was weird. And so all of a sudden, Kim's like, Kim's like, he's recording us. This is kind of weird. And so she kind of looks at him, and, and, and I guess what we thought, he kind of gave us the nod and the smile, like, hey, I recognize that I'm recording you by accident, so I won't do this anymore. So I thought that the nod and the smile meant I won't do that anymore. So I go back to my hibachi. Well, the guy kept on doing it. So every time this cook would do something, like when he did the whole thing of, hey, let me throw the rice at you, all of a sudden the guy's camera was up recording. I'm like, this is weird. I thought he gave me the nod, the nod and the smile. I thought we knew what that meant. Stop recording me. This is weird. And, um, you know, and, and then the guy goes, you know, hey, look, you know, let, let me, here's your rice. And all of a sudden the guy's recording the rice. He's like, yeah, this guy's doing rice, but he's recording us while he's doing it. So finally, I find myself going, this guy is determined to make this meal awkward for me because I don't want to be recorded. I don't. So then it hits me. If this guy records, just like that, stop it. <laughs> just like that. Then it hits me. I come up with a plan. If this guy puts his phone up to record this guy cooking, even though it's recording me, even though he had his shot to record somebody when the cook was in front of him, if this guy does this again, I'm going to unleash my inner three-year-old, and I'm going to give him something. I'm going to give him a shove. And then I thought for a second, do I tell Kim this because I've already released my inner three-year-old earlier that day when my daughter said, hey, Daddy, I really want to try uh, some of the dog treats that you give to our dog, but I don't want to do it alone. Will you try them with me? I'm like, yes, I will, baby. So we broke one. We tried it. We both agreed that they taste like uh, moldy rice cakes, surprisingly. And, uh, and then Kim, out of her mouth, she goes, she goes, I swear I have three kids. Oh, I've got three kids. Yes, you do. So that already taken place. And so literally I'm like, do I tell Kim my plan that if this guy puts his phone up one more time, I'm going to give him a show. Yes, I do. I said, Kim, I'm going to do it. She goes, you're going to do what? And before she could talk me out of it, the guy's like, the, our cook is like, who's ready for the onion volcano? And as soon as he pours in the liquid for the onion volcano, the guy's phone goes up to record it, and there was, and it was like everything went dark, and I saw an on-air sign come up, and as soon as he lit it, I start going, "Wow, we've got a fire! Wow!" I start singing, "Fire!" Woo, woo! My kids start looking at me. They're like, "Daddy's awesome." We're still young enough to where daddy can do this, and it's cool. It eggs me on, so I'm like, you know what? The guy's still recording. I'm like, you know what? Let's whip out Mr. Napkin Face. I take a napkin, put it over my head, right? And I start talking through Mr. Napkin Face. Woo! <laughs> I'm going to give him a show. And so, so I get done with that, and Kim's like, I cannot believe you did that. I'm like, so then I begin to explain to her that it's her fault. I'm like, well, baby, you had a choice. It's not like I hid this before we got married. And, darling, you made a choice when you married me. I think it's a good one. All right, now here, hey, this has nothing to do with the message, but the funny part about it is literally she goes, hey, I think the, I think the girl next to the guy recording you knows you. And I look up, 
and no lie, because I was an intern here years ago when I was in college age, and I'm looking, I'm staring at the eyes of one of my former teens when I was an intern. She goes, hey, Drew, it's good to see you. I'm like, oh. But I was bound and determined that that guy was not going to ruin my dinner. All I wanted to do. And he was not going to do it. And so um, if you happen to see a video up uh, on YouTube, and no, I'm not talking about the hilarious Chewbacca video, by the way. Who's seen the Chewbacca video? Oh, my gosh, that's incredible. But if you happen to see one of me dancing, do not share it. Report it as spam or something to, to, to Facebook and get it off there. So anyway, um, you know, it's funny. We, if we could take that small little thing of that small inconvenience that, this guy was bound and determined to ruin and to make my meal uncomfortable. And I was bound and determined that I was going to make him uncomfortable. I think, although I think all I got was him just laughing at me. Um, and, um, but I, if we could take that one little moment and just expand it maybe to our lives, it's easy for us to sit there and look at that moment and say, you know what, that would have been such an incredible meal if it wasn't for that guy taking a video of us. And I think we could do the same thing with events. We could say, oh, this event... Or this day would have been incredible if it wasn't for this guy who was that, who's bound and determined, uh, determined to ruin it. I think, though, that we can expand that a little bit. And, we, and that really applies to life. Because I don't know if you've ever thought this way, but life sure would be easy if I didn't have to deal with people. I don't know if you felt that way or if maybe you've had that day, week, month, year life where you've said, man, if I didn't have to deal with people, I'd be good. I could actually have a lot of happiness and joy in my life if I just didn't have to deal with people. Maybe you've said that out loud. Maybe you've said that under your breath. A word of advice, don't say it to your spouse. It won't go good, you know. But maybe we felt that as, you know what, if it just wasn't for people and all their hang-ups and all their idiosyncrasies and all their insecurities, I'd be great. My life would be wonderful. I think, that's, I think that's one of the biggest questions that we've got to deal in this life. And let me just say, just by odds, I know that there are people who have a background. You grow up in church for forever, and maybe there's some people here who you just walked in after years away from church. Or maybe there's people here you've never walked into uh, a church before. But regardless of what your beliefs are, the biggest question that you and I are going to have to face with in this life is how do I deal with frustrating people? And I know some of you are sitting there going, wait a minute, no, Drew, the biggest question is how do I deal with myself? Yes, the only thing is what I have found is that people, especially the frustrating ones, they are the ones who tend to bring out my immaturities because just by me doing life with them or coming into contact or conflict with them, they're the ones who bring out the things that I need to work on in my frustrations. And so, yes, I got to work on myself, but it's people are the ones who bring it out of me. I did not know that I was an impatient person until I told my wife, baby, we've got to be at dinner at 5.30. Can you be ready by then? Because then all of a sudden, instead of her being ready at 5.15 so we can walk out the door, she's ready at 10 after, uh, or she's ready at 5.45 saying, don't I look great? I did not know I was an impatient person until my wife was late. I did not know that I could deal with frustration until I tell my kids on Friday night, hey, babies, mommy and daddy are going to sleep in today. I brought you some donuts. Here are these shiny donuts, and you know where the milk is. Do not get us up. If you wake up early at 630 like you always do, don't get us up. Go get your donuts. Go get your milk. Play your games. Hang out. We'll be up about 930. Eight o'clock, all of a sudden, I hear, Daddy, huh, what? Are you about to get up? No, I thought I gave you donuts. We've ate them all, but we're bored. <laughs> we can find something to do, kids. I told you I was going to be sleeping. I did not know that I could be frustrated until I had kids who, in my mind, didn't do what I asked them to do. I mean, I gave them donuts. So even though, yes, we've got to deal with ourselves, it is people 
who bring it out in us. And I know that some of you are also are saying, well, people can do incredibly great things as well. Yes, they can. But I still have to solve the question of how do I deal with frustrating people? How do I deal with people who harm me? How do I deal with people who don't have my best interest at heart? How do I deal with people who don't listen to me? How do I deal with people who literally want to do their own thing in life? And I'm trying to tell them the fundamental question on a practical level here in this life is how do I deal with people? Because I don't know how you feel. But there are more days than not, I'm like, man, people are frustrating. Now, before you think that I'm better than you or whatever, I, <laughs> I fully admit that, there are, that, that more often than not as well, I'm probably frustrating to people. I'm probably that guy that you're talking about saying I'm frustrated. So I have just as much capacity, but a lot of that when I'm dealing with myself, that's me and God. And I'm relating to God and asking him to forgive me and heal me and make me whole so that way I'm not as frustrating to people. But as, as far as on this earth, how do I deal with people? One of the themes of Joseph's life was that people harmed him, was that people did him wrong, was that people absolutely, I mean, in so many ways took this dude for a ride. And he was good to people. And they still did him wrong. So how do we look at his life and gain not only knowledge but practical steps for how to deal with people? Because if Joseph's life is in the indication of ours, we're going to deal with people. So today, I'm going to give you just a couple of real quick, first of all, let's look at the different types of people that we can come in frustration with. We can be frustrated about. But then more importantly, I'm going to give you some practical steps from the life of Joseph on how to deal, with, uh, to deal with people and frustrating people who try to harm you. So here's the first thing. Let, let's talk about the different types of people because this story I just read about Joseph and his brothers, there's so many more. And I would encourage you when you get home or this week to read through Genesis 37 uh, to about chapter 50, 51, somewhere around there. Because it... it chronicles a lot of Joseph's life and how he dealt with people. So I read you this one story, but I'm, I'm going to paraphrase a couple others as we go along. Because there are different type of frustrating people that you are going to have to deal with that Joseph had to deal with. Here's the first one. One of the types of people that you and I are going to have to deal with, I call them the jealous. You may call them the haters. But you and I both are going to have to deal with these people that bottom line is this. You have something in your life that they do not have. And they are going to make it known to you and to other people through comments and through actions that they do not appreciate the fact that you have something that they don't. Now forget the fact that, that they may have things that you don't have. You're not upset with them. You may have something that they don't have. And insecurity breeds jealousy. And jealousy, if not kept unchecked, will lead to actions. That's what we saw here with Joseph's brothers. Joseph had a coat that his father gave him that signified his love for them, for him. Joseph had a God-given destiny. Joseph was a dreamer. He had things in his life that his brothers did not have. Their insecurity about that led to jealousy, which led to action. As soon as they saw him walk up, uh, walk up they identified him by the thing that he had that they did not. They said, here comes the dreamer. He has dreams. We don't. Let's fix that. Maybe you have run into somebody. Maybe you could think of that person right now who was the hater, who was the jealous person. And how they let you know is as soon as you get the promotion that they don't, they'll say things such as, mmm, must be nice. I've been working around here for years and I don't get that kind of promotion. As soon as you get a car that maybe they don't have or a newer car, they say, mmm, I'm glad someone can afford that because I sure can't. As soon as maybe you get married before they do, all of a sudden they're telling all their friends, well, I guess I'm just a lonely person because, you know, so-and-so, they got married and I'm not them. How many people can think of someone in your life right now that qualifies as a jealous person or a hater? 
and they let you know. At best, they'll make comments to either you or behind your back. At worst, they will take action on that jealousy to take what you have. Joseph's brothers, when they threw him in that pit, it was less about harming Joseph, and it was more about if we get Joseph out of the way, we can have what he has. Maybe Father will like us. Maybe we'll have a destiny too. See, insecure people like that, the jealous people, they don't look at what they do have. They look at what they don't have. You just happen to have what they don't have, and that's the conflict. And you're going to run into those people. You are. There are going to be people that do not like you. You didn't do anything wrong. But just because you have something that they do not have, that insecurity is going to come up. And you're going to have to deal with it. I'm going to tell you how in a second, but let's, go, let's move on to another type of person. We talked about the jealous person. Another type of frustrating person you're going to have to run into is what I call the user. The user. Later on, we find Joseph, at, and he's, he's a servant for this guy named Potiphar. And Joseph is so talented, and God's favor is on his life that Potiphar puts him in charge of his whole house. Potiphar trusts Joseph, and Joseph handles all of his finances, handles all of his crops, home repairs, everything else because Joseph has God's favor on his life. Potiphar leaves one day. Potiphar's wife, she was the user. She saw that her husband was away, and she saw Joseph, and that Joseph was really good looking. And she went up to Joseph and said, come sleep with me. Let's go to bed together. And Joseph said, oh, no, I'm not going to do this. First of all, I'm not going to sin against God. And I'm not going to do this to my master. We are not doing this. And she said, oh, no, come on, come to bed with me. And it said that Joseph, to actually escape her, actually uh, uh, ran out of his tunic or his his, his, uh, robe that he had. He had a robe, and she held onto it so hard that in order for him to get away from her, he just, he stepped out of his his robe. He literally said, I would rather run away naked (laughs) than to be clothed with you. But see, she was a user. And here's the defining trait about a user. Once you don't do what they want you to do, that's when they turn their back on you. See, Potiphar's wife had no problem with Joseph as long as he was running the household, running the finances, everything was good. There was increase in Potiphar's house because what affected Potiphar affected her. So she had no problem when Joseph was doing those things. But as soon as she came up to Joseph and said, sleep with me, and he said no, she went to her husband with that robe that Joseph left behind and said, Joseph came on to me. He tried to sleep with me, and I told him no. She lied on him, and Joseph got thrown in prison. The thing about a user is that they literally, it's all about them and their needs. And maybe you can think about that type of person. Have you, had, have you ever had somebody in your life, or do you have somebody in your life who every single event is about them? If you're going to go to lunch, you're going to go to their restaurant every single time. And while you're there, you're going to hear about every single detail of their life for the entire time. As soon as you say, well, that's interesting. Let me tell you a couple things about my life. Within about one minute, it, the conversation changes back to their life. Have you ever been around somebody who, it's not about what you want to do, every single time when it comes to choosing an activity, choosing somewhere to go, choosing something fun to do, whatever, it is about what they want to do. Have you ever been around somebody where after you've spent time with them, in your heart and in your head you go, you know, they didn't really care about me that much. We have those people in our lives all the time. And truthfully, these kind of people are the most dangerous. Because at best, if you choose to have a relationship with this kind of person, at best, you are going to do what they want you to do, and they're still going to sap every single 
uh, piece of energy, rest, uh, emotion, uh, um, uh, emotional resources, physical resources. They're going to sap those things out of your life as you do what they want them to do to keep them happy. At worst, you don't do what they want you to do. And because their life is so motivated by fear, which is why they're trying to use yours, they're trying to use your life, their life is so motivated by fear that they would rather lie about you and keep you down as to admit that you rejected them. We see it all the time, especially if you're involved in school systems, with the word bully. Isn't that what a bully does? A bully is so fearful about their own life. And we'll see, Kim and I, she'll come on and tell stories about these little kids. Little kids who just for power and control will walk up to a kid that's smaller than them, push him around, talk about him. Even this week, my wife told me about a, uh, about a kid who started picking on my son. My son's in kindergarten. She came up to me. She said, Drew, she goes, I was in the, I was in the cafeteria, and I saw the second grader. Come up, to, come up to our son and just start just ragging on him, talking about him, everything else. And Davis couldn't do anything because the kid was second grader, almost a third grader. She said, but it made me so mad, I walked over to him. I just started, you will not <coughs> talk to him that way. You know, how would you like it if I got a fourth grader to come and talk to you like that? And of course, then the second grader was like, no, no, I'll do that or whatever. But that second grader was so hungry for power and for control and for security that he was willing to go talk trash to a kindergartner. The number one motivator for a user is fear and their ultimate goal for your life is control. Because if they can control your life in their minds, they can control something and that brings them a great sense of security. These people are dangerous. But Drew, God loves everybody. Mm-hmm. He loves them. And you can too, but you can love them at a distance. There's one other type of person that we see Joseph had to deal with. These people, I like to call them, they're the deal breakers. After Joseph gets thrown in prison, he, he, uh, uh, he comes into contact with a deal breaker. And let me tell you what this deal breaker, it was a, it was a cupbearer for the king, for Pharaoh, who had been thrown in prison. And all of a sudden, Joseph and this cupbearer, they're actually in prison, no hope. Cupbearer has a dream. He says, is there anybody here that can interpret my dream? And Joseph says, well, that's what I can do. God, God will use me to interpret your dream. And, and, uh, and, and so Joseph interprets the dream that pretty much Pharaoh's going to come soon and he's going to restore the cupbearer. He's going to take him out of prison and restore him back to his former post. Cupbearer goes, man, that's great. Joseph makes a deal. Cool. I interpreted your dream. Here's what I need you to do. When Pharaoh restores you, mention me to him to get me out of this prison. Yes. You got it, man. You're the guy who interpreted the dream. You're my buddy. You're my homie. We got it. Yes. I'll do that for you. Sure enough, the dream comes true. Pharaoh restores his cupbearer back to his post. And wouldn't you know that the cupbearer at that point broke the deal, never mentioned, that, never mentioned Joseph to the Pharaoh, and the Bible says that Joseph was stuck in prison another two years before anything else happened. See, we can run into people as well. I call them the deal breakers because whether we like it or not, we've got people in our lives that, that we'll come up and we'll link arms with, and we've got to deal with them. Maybe you've known somebody that, a friend that comes up to you and, and says, man, I'm going through a rough time, and you invest emotionally in that person for a long time as they go through something. You counsel with them, you pray with them, you, you, you listen to them, everything else, and they're restored. Yes, good, but as soon as you go through rough times, they act like they don't know you. Maybe you've had people that you said, you know what, hey, I'm going to help you out financially right now. All I ask is that when you get back on your feet, maybe you could pay me back or help me out if I go through financial uh, hardships. And as soon as you go through your stuff, they forget about you. Maybe, you know what, maybe there's some spouses, some couples here who that's one of your frustrating things is that, you know, 
you expected your spouse to love you a certain way and, and to help you out and, and you do it for them, but then all of a sudden they, they, they don't meet up their end of the bargain and, and there's a part of you that feels like, man, I thought we kind of had a deal, even if it was said or unsaid. Maybe there's some parents here who kind of the unsaid deal that you had for your child is that, you know what, as you are an infant and growing up, I'm going to love you and provide you with a safe household. All I ask is that when you get a little older, maybe show me just a little bit of respect. And they've broken that deal. Maybe there's some children here who you've tried to honor your parents, but they kind of broke their end of the deal. They, they, they have not provided you with a safe and secure household where you feel loved and safe. We make deals with people all the time. When I say deal, I'm not talking about you've got to sit down and say, hey, let's, let, let's write out this contract. We make deals with people all the time because as we give, it is human nature for them to expect, for, to expect for them to maybe give a little bit back. Who here has dealt with a deal breaker? Who, who here has dealt with someone that you would have thought, if I really need them, they're going to live up to their end of the bargain, and then they don't. And worse yet, they, like they don't know you. Oh, we've been there. That's tough. Joseph dealt with this. He dealt with a deal breaker. He encountered the user. And he had to put up with the jealous ones. So now that we've identified these people, very quickly, let's go through. So how do you deal with them, Drew? How do I deal with these people in my life? Is there something that Joseph did that allowed, that allowed him to deal with these people? Because I don't know about you, but if I had to deal with these other people in my life anymore, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm tired of it. Cool. Absolutely, there's a couple things he did. If you're taking notes, I would ask that you write this down. It's not a requirement, but this, hey, this will help you with some practical things this week. I got five real quick points I'm going to go through about how to deal with difficult people. The first thing you've got to do to deal with difficult people, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to manage your emotions. Manage your emotions. Let me tell you what's missing when you read Joseph's, uh, when you read about Joseph's life as, he's as he dealt with these difficult people. You realize that as he's dealing with people, lying on him, forgetting about him, throwing, throwing him in, in uh, wells and everything else, you know what's missing? There is not one verse dedicated to how Joseph felt about those things. When he was thrown in the well, there's not one verse that says, and, and Joseph felt betrayed, and Joseph was angry, and Joseph felt lonely. When Potiphar's wife lied on him, there was not one part of him that said, and Joseph plotted revenge, and Joseph um, was disappointed. There's not any record of him showing those emotions. Well, Drew, are you telling me that he didn't have emotions? Oh, no. I'm sure he had them. But he was able to manage his emotions in such a way to where even, even if he felt lonely, even if he felt betrayed, even if he felt angry, he didn't act on his emotions. He waited till his emotions got under control before he started taking actions. There are some people in here, yes, what people have done to you is wrong. Yes, how they treated you is wrong. Yes, the things they've said about you is wrong. But your first responsibility that you have to do is we have to take a cue from Joseph. You've got to manage your emotions. You've got to get them under control because if you don't, you will never be able to see clearly how to deal with these people. Because all you're doing is looking through the lens of, I'm frustrated at you. I'm mad at you. You betrayed me. I'm lonely. And some of the worst decisions we can ever make are, 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 when we're, are when we are emotional. Drew, are you telling me not to feel? No. I'm saying it's better for you to get your emotions and deal with them and manage them first, then make decisions. Don't make decisions while you feel emotional. Can I tell you, when we do see Joseph having emotions, we see Joseph having emotions when he was at, at the end of his life and he was 
actually in the process of restoring his relationship with his brothers. He got incredibly emotional. When he was restoring relationship. But when he's going through stuff and people are treating him wrong, there's no account of his emotions. We see it all the time. I watch social media, and some of the biggest train wrecks I'll ever see is when I see somebody post something on social media, and you can tell they're posting it out of emotions. That if they would just take one hour, take a couple of deep breaths, eat a piece of chocolate, and go to their happy place for one second, they would rethink that post. The worst decisions are made when you're emotional. Husband and wives, the worst decisions are made when you're emotional. Kim and I learned, again, we've got a great relationship, but we're human. There are times I'll frustrate her, just like yesterday. <laughs> I heard that, right? There are times she'll frustrate me because we're human. The thing that I've learned and that she is so good at is the fact that while we are emotional, we don't go to each other and say, why did you do that? Why did you say that? We'll let our emotions die down a little bit so then we're able to go with resolution as our goal and with truth in our minds and we'll say, you know what, this is how I feel, but I know you well enough to know that you wouldn't do that. Talk to me, let's find out what happened. I think some of the biggest blow-ups when it comes to friendships, couples, families, whatever, is when decisions and conversations are had and made when we are still emotional. Deal with that first. Go to God first. Ask God to help you with your emotions. Then make decisions. More than just managing your emotions, you got to adjust your approach. Adjust your approach. Do you realize that when we talk about the jealous, the users, and the deal breakers, that we can't have a one-size-fits-all approach to dealing with those people? Well, true, aren't we supposed to love them? Mm-hmm. We're supposed to love them, but there's, there are different approaches that we have to take. You know, it's for, the, for the jealous, the people that you have something that they don't have and they want to let you know about it, one of the most best ways you can deal with that is just to have a little humility. Drew, are you telling me to be ashamed of what I've got? Oh, no. Oh, no. If God's blessed you, God's blessed you. We can walk with a little bit of wisdom in how we handle the things that, that God's blessed in our life. And the other thing is, even if we have something that somebody else does not, we can still give them value. Let me tell you right now, it's nobody that, other than my wife, it's nobody in here that anybody knows. But I've got a family member. I've got a family member in my life who any time I'm around this person, she's a jealous one. I've got a couple things in my life that she does not. And I kid you not, every time I'm around her, she makes a comment to either A, bring me down a little bit, B, bring her up a little bit, or C, to bring me down a lot. Every time. You know the thing that I've learned to do? I can't change her. I can't confront her because if I confront her and say, why are you treat me so bad? It's just going to explode it. So what I do is when I'm around her, even when she makes the comments, I do something to add value to her. Something as simple as, hey, I love you. Hey, it's good to see you. Wow, I like your hair. Whatever. I'm not, I'm not saying be insincere. But just because you have somebody, you have no idea how you can gain friendships if you will add value to people. Speaking, speaking in their lives, even if they have something, even if you have something that they do not. That's how you handle the, the hater, the jealous person. Let me tell you how you handle the users. Simple. Run. <laughs> I can deal with a jealous person. I can deal... I can deal with a deal breaker. I can. A user, there's nothing you can do. Because no matter what you do, if you run away from it, if, if you don't do what they want you to do, or if you do what they want you to do, either way, they're going to absolutely suck the life out of you. If you have somebody in your life who every time it is about what you can do for them, 
you need to set up some boundaries in your heart and walk away from them. You can love them. You can wish them the best. You can, you can hope God changes their life, but you've got to walk away from them because there's nothing you can do. But Drew, I can save them. No, you can't. You're not God. Drew, I can change their heart. No, you can't. You're not God. The biggest mistakes I will see people make when it comes to users is that they will stay in the relationship in order to try and, uh, and change them and it doesn't work. One disclaimer, if you're married to a user, before you just run, you need to get some counseling. There, there needs to be a third party involved. So don't walk away and say, don't walk away and look at your spouse in the car ride home and say, Drew said I can leave you. <laughs> no, I didn't. I did not. I will tell you this, if, if you're dating a user or if you're engaged to a user, before you walk down that aisle and say, I do, run, break it off. Deal with the emotional stuff now. Because you, what you don't want to do is put a ring on them, or put a ring on that finger, and say vows in front of God and in front of people, and then wake up six months, two years later, and go, what did I just do? You cannot change a user. You can love them from a distance. You can pray for them from a distance. But all they will try to do is use you. If you're dealing with a deal breaker, someone who's broken his deal with you, forgive them. But Drew, what if they break a deal with me again? Forgive them. And you manage how closely you want to walk with them. But deal breakers, forgive them. Because the truth is, you and I, we're going to break deals too. And there's usually a reason why deals get broken. What I found is if I go and I, I try to find the root and the cause, hey, what happened? Why did you say that? Why did you forget about me? What happened? Oh, I didn't mean to do that. I just had so much stress on my life. This, 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 this. Forgive them. But you can't have a one-size-fits-all approach to everything. The band will come up. We're just going to close real quick. Last three things. Don't waste words. So not only manage your emotions, not only adjust your approach, but don't waste words. You notice Joseph did not waste any time or energy trying to defend himself or trying to post up somebody else. Now again, there came a time at the end of his life where he, he restored his relationship with his brothers who did him wrong. But you don't see any record of him trying to, let me just explain my side of the story. Let me just do this. We waste so much time and energy when we try to explain our side of the story. We try to convince somebody that we're right. If somebody has done you wrong, yes, there does come a time, and maybe God will allow it, where you can sit there and say, you know what, that really hurt my feelings. But sometimes we try to get in these arguments with people where we try to convince them that we were right. And it's counterproductive. It wastes time, and it wastes energy. Not only do you manage your emotions or adjust your approach, don't waste your words. One of the biggest things you can do is you can put on the right perspective. You know, at the end of Joseph's life when he was talking with his brothers, he gave probably the biggest key as to how he was able to deal with all these people. It's found in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. This is what he said to his brothers. He looked them right in the eye. And he addressed the fact that they stripped him, threw him in a well, tried to kill him, and sold him into slavery. And in that moment where he could have said, y'all, Jerks, I can't believe this. Now you left me for dead. Blah, 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 blah. He put on the right perspective. He said, you know what? What you meant for evil, God meant for good. The biggest way to deal with frustrating people is to realize that people are not your problem. Your perspective is your problem. I and you, all of us, we can't control people. We can't control what they do. We can't control how they treat us. I can't control what's going to happen tomorrow, next week. I can't control those things. But I can live in an awareness 
that whatever somebody else does to me, good, bad, or indifferent, that God will somehow, some way, take all of that, if I will allow him, and will use it for good. I want you to look at this perspective. I want you to look at the, uh, Joseph's path. Joseph was beaten and sold into slavery by his brothers that landed him in Potiphar's house in Egypt. Potiphar's life, uh, wife lied on him. That landed him in jail close to the Pharaoh. He interpreted a dream. The cupbearer forgot about him. And two years later, wouldn't you know that the Pharaoh had a dream if you read the story? And the Pharaoh one day looked around and said, I had this dream and there's nobody that can interpret it. Is there anyone that can interpret my dream? And at that point, the knuckle-headed cupbearer goes, oh, ding, 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 ding. Hey, Pharaoh, yeah, there's this guy in prison. I forgot about him for two years, but he interpreted my dream. I bet he can interpret your dream. Pharaoh said, go get him. Joseph, long story short, interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And Pharaoh was so impressed with Joseph that he made him the number two in command in all of Egypt. And because of that post, he saved his brothers. When famine came seven years from now, or seven years from then, and he was able to establish at that time a rest haven for the nation of Israel. All of that happened because people, through a pathway of people doing Joseph wrong, because he had the perspective that even if you do me wrong, God will use it for good. I have to admit, I don't have that perspective some days because when people do me wrong, instantly I go, what in the world? But Joseph was able to look his brothers in the eye and say, what you had purposed for evil, God took your purpose and he trumped it with his purpose and he turned even that for good. How would your life change if you stopped fighting with people and you stopped trying to change them and figure them out and fix them? And you realize that people are not your problem, that your perspective is your problem. That whatever comes to you today is God ordained and God allowed, and He will use it for His good. So turn even that. And maybe you've got a situation that you're thinking even right now with Ruth. God couldn't use even that. Oh, yeah. Look at the story of Joseph and look how God directed his steps. Last thing before we close. After we put on the right perspective, we get the op opportunity to rewrite the narrative. To rewrite the narrative. Not with users. But do you realize that you are never more like Jesus Christ when you actually follow his words when he said, you know those people that do wrong to you? Do good to them. You know those people that took from you? Give to them. You know those people that talked about you? You talk nice to them. One of the defining marks as a Christian and as a Christ follower is when instead of matching evil for evil for what people do to us, when we actually say, you know what? I'm going to treat you in the exact opposite way you treated me. The truth is, is that God, that's how God treats us. I shook my fist at God. I was angry at him. Walked, walked away from him. Talked about him. Represented his kingdom poorly. And oh, that was just yesterday. Forget the fact that before I actually knew him in his grace, I was even worse than that. Instead of God looking at me saying, I see how Drew is treating me, so I'm going to treat him that way in kind. God took my worst toward him and he gave me his best. That is grace. There's a freedom that will happen in you if you will treat the people doing you wrong that way. Some of you, 
when we're done with this, before you hop in that car, you need to get your cell phone out. You need to go someplace private. You need to make a phone call. You need to say the words, I forgive. Some of you, before you lay your head down at night, you need to write a letter or an email, whatever. Facebook message, I don't care how you do it. Saying, I love you, I forgive. Some of you need to take some of the resources that you have and you, you need to invest in that person that's, that's not treating you good. You know what it is. I don't have to tell you what it is. There are people here right now, you know exactly what you need to do to rewrite your narrative. Joseph, at the end of his life, he had his brothers in the palm of his hand. And instead of saying, you know what, y'all got to get out of here, or having them arrested, or having them go through what he went through, he took their worst and he gave them his best. And that's what God does for us. Here's what I'd like for us to do. We're going to take two minutes. I'll time I close in two minutes. I, I want you to begin to ask in your own way, in your seat. I'm not going to bring you up. I'm not going to do anything. You ask God, what do I need to do? How do I need to manage my emotions, God? How do I need to adjust my approach? How do I need to not waste words? God, show me how to put on the right perspective. And God, show me how I can rewrite the narrative. I wonder as we close if you would just take two minutes as Ben just plays softly and you and God work out those details. Let's do that now as we talk about, as we reflect on dealing with people. Now that you know, you know what it is. As soon as I dismiss, go do it. Don't wait. The longer you wait, the more likely you are to talk yourself out of it. So, Father God, I pray, Lord, that just like the word of James says, that we would be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. God, let us take a, um, a lesson like this, Father, and put it into practical use, Father. We can't change people. That God, through the power of your Holy Spirit and your word, God, you can change us. Would you do that? Thank you for everything that you've spoken to us today. We love you today, God. In your name, amen. Y'all have an incredible day. You're dismissed.